Hi, I'm Andy Kindler, and you're listening to PX Tape Recorder. Are you enjoying it? I certainly hope so. I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Dana Gould. You know, I, I started on Star Trek when I was about seven. I didn't get to Star Wars until I was about 12. And there's only three Star Wars movies I like of the 40. And it is amazing how quickly Disney got a hold of that and just f***ed it to death. One of our favorites, Dana Gould. Of course, a great conversation with him. We have a song of the week coming up from ELO. How about that? Well, actually, Jeff Lynn's ELO will explain uh, at the end of the show. But first, as always, a dumb bit. Time for another installment of a fun new bit we call... You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. So this one keeps coming up a lot, and this is probably the uh, most egregious example of this. Uh, this is President Trump talking about uh, the public hearings that are now going to be held in regards to the impeachment. And, well, he says this. They shouldn't be having public hearings. This is a hoax. First of all, all they've been doing for the past couple of weeks is screaming up and down that the Democrats are holding closed door about the impeachment. And now that there's going to be public hearings, they've turned around and said, no, you can't hold them in public either. So really, you can't hold them, I guess. But anyway, back to the hoax thing. I don't think the president understands what a hoax is. A hoax isn't something that actually happened. A hoax is like Balloon Boy from 2009. Remember him? He flew away in the hot air balloon, and it turned out that was a, a, a bunch of hooey. Or some people think Bigfoot is a hoax. Or, you know, things like that. Things that, you know, are that people, or crop circles is another uh, one that people uh, say is a hoax. In a, and, and, of course, cert- most certainly is. It isn't something that actually happened. Like, where you, the president of another country calls you and says he's going to buy weapons from you. And you say, yeah, but I need a favor first. I want you to find some server from an election that I already won. <laughs> That's a hoax, see? That's that, I mean, that's not a hoax, see? That's something that actually happened, and we know what actually happened because the transcript actually came from you. <laughs> Your approved transcript says that it actually happened. So, uh, again, the president doesn't quite understand the meaning of the word hoax, uh, to which we say... You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Dana Gould is a stand-up comedian originally from Massachusetts, the uh, suburban Boston area, if you will. You've probably seen him doing the standing-up comedy on TV or in his TV series, Stand Against Evil, or listen to his podcast, The Dana Gould Show. Here now is our interview with Dana Gould. Hello. Hey, Dana, it's PF. Hey, how are you, man? Good, good to talk to you again, man. Yeah, thanks for calling. So what's new with you, man? It's been about a year, year and a half since we spoke last? Yep, probably about a year. Yeah, closer to a year. I come through, I come through during autumn. Yes. Like a, like a seasonal flu. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, yeah. So you've been touring a lot, writing? What's What's been keeping you busy? Uh, yeah, well, I did two things. I did, uh, I did a uh, tour with Bobcat Goldthwait, and we were... Uh, uh, and I too, uh, we were, uh, we sort of developed a weird two man show where it was, we didn't do bits together like Bob and Ray. Um, we originally were just touring because we're friends and it was a good excuse to hang out. Yeah. 
and then we over time developed a, sort of a way to do our acts uh, simultaneously. Like I would, uh, we'd go on stage together, I'd do a bit, it would lead into something that he did, and we'd go back and forth. And uh, we decided to film that for a special. We were literally pulling into the theater in Atlanta to film, we were gonna do three specials, uh, three shows, one in Atlanta, one in Athens, and one in Asheville. Uh, and sort of film the special, film the shows and do, and film us on route between the gigs, sort of like a road documentary along with the show. And uh, literally pulling out of the parking lot of the theater, we get T-boned by a guy doing about 50. And uh, we were in the backseat of the car. We broke our ribs on each other. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it was like a... Uh, like a superhero origin story, as Bob said. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, so we ended up in the hospital, and uh, we we're both recovered from that, and so we're putting that back on the rails. We're hoping to do it in January or February. Uh -huh. um, and uh, so that was, that was that. That wasn't too fun. No. Um, but, uh, you know, we're both recovered from that, and... Uh, uh, hoping to fit that in, and yeah, I've uh, I just finished uh, uh, doing revisions on a horror movie that looks like it's going to start filming in early 2020, and I'm developing another TV series. So between that and the podcast and stand up, I oh, that's right. Yeah. I like to stay busy. Yes, yes. Uh, you know the the T boning story reminded me that happened to Mike Brabiglia. He did did a whole bit about that where he um he was T boned in, in L A. and uh, he it's awful. He, and he wound but he wound up getting cited. That he, they said he caused the accident, and he went and looked at the police report, and he goes, and the police report didn't make any sense because everything contradicted it. And he's like, "I'm the one that pulled out and got hit. How could this?" But he, and he ended up owing thousands, and he fought it for a long time. And his girlfriend finally, and now wife said, "You know, just let it go. You're you're doing fine." Well, if you're in their line of traffic, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, this was our driver's fault. Oh, okay. Uh, technically, because we were in their lane, but had they not been speeding and had been looking where they were going, yeah. they wouldn't have sailed into us without applying their brakes. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you and Bob will be back out on the road in January? Uh, hopefully, yeah, January, February. Yeah. I talked to him years ago, and the last time I talked to him, he had been, been working on some Kinks uh, movie. Yes, he's very good friends with Ray Davies. Yeah. And uh, he was working on, I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, uh, um, <laughs> I guess Bobcat Goldthwait is the connection between me and Ray Davies. There you go. It's a good separation. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. The, um, the, uh, the other uh, podcast I, I do um, uh, is one for my day job. It's, it's for Cincy Shirts. And uh, we were talking to the guy that organizes the local uh, comedy festival here we have once a year, and our owner, who's a stand-up comedian, Josh Sneed, reminded us of this great story that Bobcat headlined it one year, and he had so much fun, he came back the next day in disguise and just played on one of the smaller stages for, like, 30 people, but people quickly <laughs> people quickly found him out, I mean, he, he, even though he wasn't yeah, doing, you know, the... He wasn't doing the stage voice or anything, but he... he could, right. Yeah, but people... Well, he doesn't do that at all anymore. He has yeah. a very... He, yeah, we, what we liked about this is that it had a very DIY sense. We were filming it ourselves, and then we were going to go sell it. And uh, that's usually the... You know, that that's one of the... We have a pretty... We have a shared sort of punk sensibility that I think is one of the reasons we're, we're friends. Yeah, I can see how that would fit together. You're just, you're just different enough that it's not the same act, but it's, you know... 
Yeah, uh, and just like as, as people, we have the same kind of fuck them attitude. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, do you kind of develop a, a, a thick skin towards the business and everything once you've been in it so long, or are you just kind yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, you have to, especially now I was reading, a, you know, it's so, especially as somebody who also, in addition to stand-up, I'm a, I'm a writer, and you, you work in television, and, you know, there's four new streaming services start soon, and, and, you know, people are recommending television shows to me that I've never heard of, and then they'll go, oh, well, they're the guy that made, and then they'll reference another show I've never heard of. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have, I have children and an active life. I don't have time to watch seven, I, I can't follow 17 different television shows. Yeah. I still watch, I still watch Dragnet. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I was watching that a couple of years ago. It was, um... Yeah. And I also found a place you could download the old radio dragnet. Yes, I, they're great. Which is I'm fantastic. Trans, oh, I'm yeah. Dragnet band. Yeah, yeah. Jack Webb knew how to tell a story economically. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah the, no, like, I love, I, I seriously love, I seriously do love watching and listening to dragnet. I find it very addictive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can, you know, there are like 11 shows on Netflix about a kid that was murdered. I, I, you know, huh. I can't keep up. Yeah, we um, were trying to find a show, um, and we finally ended up watching uh, the, the. And when it first came out, Netflix really, really wanted us to watch Sex Education, and my wife and I were finally flipping around, and my wife was hesitant, uh, and so finally we looked at the trailer, and what essentially it's a it's a high school dramedy, so that's that's straight in her basket. So right, we, right, so we right. tried it, and we, we really liked it. But yeah, it's, it get, like you said, you don't know what services they're on. Uh, you know, you try yeah. to flip through the services that you have. This is yeah. troubled superheroes that are zombies in a high school. That's yeah. all I can do. Yeah, it's yeah. Lots the, uni- of- the universal oh. show. And I don't know, in developing your new series, you, this little pro tip for you, uh, every show now starts with people having sex. Right. Yeah. doesn't matter. And yeah. having, they're having borderline graphic yeah. sex. That starts the yeah. show, and then the show yep. goes from there. And it's like, I'm not against yes. it, but, I mean, could, <laughs> could we have something a little sex different? Ad- Sex-addicted, troubled superheroes yes. that are zombies <laughs> that in are... high school investigating the death of a local child. There, there you go. That's, that's, that's every streaming show. <laughs> so yes, well, what, what is the show you're developing about? Can you divulge anything, or is it? I can't. It's okay. Based on a, I guess it's based on a graphic novel. Okay. Uh, that I did not write, but I'm adapting it, and uh, oh, gotcha. I really like it. And then I'm getting ready to start my second graphic novel. So. Okay. I uh, uh, work on that. So uh, trying to trying to get that going. Maybe yeah, I, that'll be a show. Who knows? Well, that's that's true. Um, I was going to resist talking about uh, Planet of the Apes, as we always do. Nah, you but you can't, um, can't get away from it. But <laughs> what I wanted to ask us, I was thinking about this over the weekend as we were preparing for the as preparing for the interview, was um, I was in the mood to watch a movie Saturday night, and it came down to between right. the original Mash and Logan's Run. And I thought, oh. of, and I actually I went with Mash because I was in more of sure. a dark comedy. But um, Logan's Run will probably be next. It's a better I, movie. <laughs> what's that? It's a better movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I don't mind Logan's Run, but uh, yeah, no, but I mean, that's just, that's yeah, just a much better. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, you know what I noticed about it? I, I, I watched the documentary afterwards. I was wasn't sleepy still, and except for the very beginning where it says, "And then there was Korea." Uh, Robert Altman was saying we took all references to Korea out of it, so people could right, easily think it was Vietnam. Universal. I'm like, oh yeah. yeah, I just noticed that they they never do they never say anything about the. I think they mentioned about going into Seoul when Ho John is supposed to get his uh, physical. Right. But I don't even think they might not even say that. They do yeah. go to Tokyo, but anyway. Yeah, that's when we're the pros from Dover. Yes, that's yes, say, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my roundabout question is: uh, I know you're a big fan of the Planet of the Apes. Do I don't think we ever have you? 
a, a fan of any other of those 70s fandoms? Uh, I kind of feel like I'm alone when I go to these comic book conventions with oh, my no, daughter. I lo- yeah, I love all the... I mean, it's, the yeah, it's the era where I was a kid, so like, I okay, remember... Then yeah. You know, I remember Logan's Run. Yep. I remember... Yeah, somebody... I was a big Dark Shadows fan, and oh, someone yeah. described it as... Uh, Star Trek for introverts. That was a really good way of putting it. It's, that's funny. I mean, because yeah, I go to these conventions with my daughter, and I'm like, the, the little game I like to play with myself is um, if I can find anything from my fandoms. And occasionally, I think this year I saw one, someone was selling these different little, these cool-looking heavy uh, iron magnets, and one of them was the robot from Lost in Space. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I saw a battle. People think his name is Robbie. It's not. It's B9. Yes. Of course, benign. And uh, but uh, built by the same people. The uh, right. They, yeah. 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 So there you go. Um, yeah, I was I started watching the new Lost in Space series, and then I only got a couple episodes into it, and I haven't gotten back to it yet. Yeah, I heard it was good. Again, it's like it'd be great if I didn't. Yeah. Sleep. Right. <laughs> I've got like eight jobs. <laughs> I didn't have to take time out for meals and hygiene. I could maybe catch up. So I sense I know the answer to this one, then, because this leads us to another good question about science fiction, is um, I have this theory, and maybe you'll agree, I can pretty much nail people down to either, if they had to pick one, Star Wars or Star Trek. Now, they may like both, and that's, uh-huh. cer- that's certainly me and my brother. Yeah. And, but if you had to pick one, and I asked Jackie Casey in this, and she, Jackie, Star Trek, um, but do you, is my theory essentially correct? Can you pick between those? Oh, yeah, I could do it again because of... of- Probably because I, I grew up with Star Trek and yeah. then Star Wars. You know, I, I started on Star Trek when I was about seven. I didn't get to Star Wars until I was about 12. Same. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's only three Star Wars movies I like of the 40. Right. Well, this is the other thing. I was talking to my daughter about this the other day. It's like Star Trek went on for, you know, apart from the motion picture, which was a bit of a stumble. Uh, right. It, it went on consistently for a while where Star Wars kind of stopped in 83. With right. Jedi, and then we don't pick it up until some really terrible movies in the '90s, and then only recently did it get. And it's weird because she yeah. came into it at at uh, the age of 11, and then yeah. And it is yeah, and it is amazing how quickly they just. I, I don't know how to phrase this in a way that you can print. Maybe you can help <laughs> me. But how how quickly Disney got a hold of that and just fucked it to death. Oh yeah. Like, like they just shoved it down your throat so hard, so fast that people are like, oh, there's another one coming out. Whatever. Well, and and Paramount's doing all they can to milk the Star Trek franchise. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, they're not having as much luck. And I with tried it. to get, I tried to get it to Discovery, and I just, I just could not make the leap. I haven't tried to. Is, is there an Enterprise in that one? There's the Enterprise shows up. It's they. There's a show that would be great. It's Christopher Pike's Enterprise. Well, oh, okay. I totally watch that. Oh. But they don't do that. They bring him onto the Discovery and then they get rid of him. Oh. It's, it's a complete. Okay. It's See, like they could have, you know, there's a show there that's interesting. They're not telling it. Okay. Because here's my rule of thumb on Star Trek. If it, if it doesn't have an Enterprise, I'm not interested. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, yeah. Although my, my buddy, my uh, late friend Jim Lugers, he hated the series Enterprise. And I'm like, I, I liked Enterprise just fine. I mean, it wasn't the, I'd rank it yeah. at, the, at the bottom of the uh, Enterprise the series. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but my brother, uh, who's older than me, Loves the Deep Space Nine. And I loves hear all... Deep Space Nine is very good. It I is. Think, I should. I, I should probably yeah. revisit. But yeah, like I, again, you've. We, you know, we have lives. We have <laughs> children, <laughs> and we have many jobs that we're doing. School so, in the 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in fact, I know we tried to reschedule this and we couldn't because you had to do a doctor's appointment. I, I didn't yeah. realize I was working uh, in one of the t-shirt stores today. So, uh, yeah, it was just, <laughs> just crazy. Yeah, so do you get to, cool. get to tour much with your crazy schedule? I know you're, you're committed to the Acme dates, like you said, you know, coming uh, Yeah, well, I did some, uh, yeah, I was, uh, October, I had some other, uh, I acted in a show called Black Monday, which uh, is on Showtime. I had a couple of uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space shows, which I do. That's uh, another one of my weird side careers. Oh, yeah. What, what, what are those? Uh, I gather 12 of my funniest friends, and we do a live stage reading of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh. Uh, you know, there's live music and flying saucers, and uh, it's not a play. It's a live reading. Right. But it's, a little, it's a little involved. And we did it in New York and L.A. I usually do that every October. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, in, in November, I'm in St. Louis, and then I'm in Boston, and then I'm in Minneapolis. And then in December, I go to um, uh, San Francisco and uh, Bloomington. So, yeah, I, I'm ending uh, – uh, I still like to go out every uh, couple times a month, and you know, because, again, it's time for a new album or special. Sure. And I'll get to that in 2020. So. Well, and I guess since it's what you really started doing, because uh, it, 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 it feels like putting on an old pair of jeans, I reckon, when you just get, get in front of that audience, and it's just, you know, you and the yeah, audience. Yeah, I uh, performed Saturday night, and I had not performed in a couple of weeks in terms of stand-up. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's uh, it's like, uh, to me, it's like, you know, like people would say golf, I don't golf, but um, it's like surfing. It's like you get up there and you get on the board, and it's, ah, oh, there you go, I'm back. There you go, yeah. So yeah. what kind of things are you talking about on stage these days? Um, well, I, I'm not. Uh, I find it interesting where uh, you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, hyper awareness about what is offensive and what is not offensive. Yeah. And I like to talk about um, why things are offensive. Uh, not you know there's there's two ways to approach it. There's the one way which seems to be very popular is. Um, uh, people staunchly refusing to acknowledge that it's offensive to people and uh, making a stand on that, which I think is of dubious merit. Uh, I like to talk about why things are offensive and what it is about it that um, that, that, that triggers people. Uh, I think it's a very rich, exciting time to be a comedian, and I like to talk about areas that are tricky to keep people on their toes, but to talk about them in a way that isn't offensive, to actually analyze what it is that's that's triggering people in a very sort of uh, uh, almost a clinical way. I find that really exciting. Um, uh, you know, right now, I was talking to a friend of mine, you know, it's, this is a very, very, very uh, chaotic uh, time to be alive. And so for, for comedians, it's, uh, it's a very exciting time, but, uh, Instead of instead of bitching about the things that are the new restrictions, uh, I accept the challenge, and I like the challenge, and I like to find ways to still talk about things in a way that is acceptable to, to everybody that comes. Well, you'd be a good person to uh, get an opinion on about this. I was thinking about this the other day. Is um, you know sometimes when I'm you know with my daughters, I'll say something. 
and we all kind of like to do this. We'll say something that's it sounds offensive or, or sexist or racist or whatever, but to make fun of people who would actually say that because we're really not. The, and then I thought to myself, well, but even when you're doing that, are you still propagating the stereotype in kind of a backhanded way, or are you truly yeah. making fun of it? I still think we're truly making fun of it because you, you guess what comedy does? You illustrate yeah, how stupid yeah, people are. A, but uh, Yeah, there was, a, you know, uh, the author who, who wrote Devil in a Blue Dress, um, forget his name, African-American writer, was consulting on Star Trek Discovery and was recounting a story about getting pulled over by the LAPD. The officer called him the N-word. And this writer got cited by uh, HR because... In telling the story, he said the N-word, and yeah. it made another writer uncomfortable, even though he was African-American and he was quoting a racist police officer. Yes. Uh, and he resigned from the show, and I don't blame him. At a certain point, yeah, it just gets to be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Although Todd Glass has a great line. He, he always t- uh, makes fun of people who like, well, how come b- black people can say the N-word in rap songs and things like that, and we can't? And then Todd's response is always, when do you want to be able to say that? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. And it's also, the other answer is because they're black and you're not. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. Exactly. The whole point is they took the word back Exa- from us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole point. It's the just... whole point is they can say it and you can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was where I went with the whole Shane Gillis brouhaha with SNL you know he was calling a, an Asian person uh, a terrible word Yeah. Uh, and uh, he said well I'm just pushing boundaries and it's like well I heard what you said yeah. what boundary are you pushing? Exactly. Yeah. you can't call them that you're, yeah. you're not making a point about the word you're not making fun you of people calling who... any, all you were doing was complaining that you can't call them that yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that's a boundary that needed to be pushed no I think that boundary was pushed a long time ago um, yeah well, great, man. Uh, I know you haven't been in Cincinnati in a while, but hopefully we'll get you back here soon. I would love to come back. I'm a, yeah. I'm a fan. I will, um, I will, uh, I'll, I always, after I do these interviews and people mention Go Bananas, I'll always uh, say, well, I'll, I'll contact the booker and just let them know. <laughs> and, Please do. And, yeah, we'll, we'll do. And, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll give them your, whose info should I give him? Uh, uh, if they want to book me, I would love to come. Uh, Silvio Lund at WME. Okay, it's cool. I will. Uh, I'll pass that along to him, and and we'll just see where it goes from there. Cause yeah, I think that would be great. People, awesome, man. Well, great. Uh, we'll have fun in Minneapolis, and good luck with the thing with uh, Bobcat in January. Looking forward to that when that all gets completed. I appreciate it great. a lot. All right, thanks, Dana. Thank you. Right, bye. Thanks again to Dana Gould for being on the show. You can catch Dana. Let's see here. He's going to be at the uh, Boston Comedy Festival, November 14th and the 15th. He's in Somerville, Mass., uh, reckon near his hometown, uh, at the Magnificent Seven. And he's also back at the Boston Comedy Festival, November 16th. And he's at the Acme in Minneapolis, November 21st through the 20th. Oh, and then the Comedy Attic in Bloomington at the end of December. Check that out. So for all your Dana Gould needs, of course, go to danagould.com. Simple as that. All right, so we're up to the song of the week. 
And uh, I promised I was going to pick out some stuff that wasn't either indie pop or uh, I would say indie rock or uh, you know, a dance pop, you know, a DJ and a singer, which is mostly what I've been listening to lately, is just because that's, you know, all that really sounds good. But anyway, uh, we're going to dig back into the, uh, not into the archives, but kind of into the, uh, I don't know, into the uh, the history of music and uh, and, and dig up uh, something from uh, a new music from, uh, a, I guess what you call a veteran act. And that would be, of course, the Electric Light Orchestra, although this incarnation is called Jeff Lynn's Electric Light Orchestra, and I was talking to a friend of mine uh, at work over at Cincy Shirts there, and he's a big ELO fan, and uh, we reckon it's Jeff Lindsay ELO because he's the only actual original member still working in the band, so, I mean, you can still call it ELO, and uh, Andy McCluskey was just running OMD, it was still OMD. Anyway, the other one you reckon it's uh, called Jeff Lindsay ELO is there are no strings in it, like in the uh, 70s incarnation of ELO, it's more, it's still very polished, but it's more like early 80s ELO, hold on tight to your dreams, that kind of ELO. Anyway, uh, the... Uh, Pat Francis posted about this, and uh, he said, new ELO, and there's a little discussion in the Facebook post he did, and this one guy's like, I don't hear any singles. Well, the first two tracks, uh, the first two singles sound like great singles. The title track from Out of Nowhere, and this one called Time of Your Life. And uh, yeah, it's just like the ELO of old, like I said, early 80s ELO, but still, you know, catchy, very slick production and all that. And this is going to be our track of the week on PF's Tape Recorder. It's, the, uh, it's Jeff Lynn's ELO, Time of Your Life, PF's Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. One day.